0: The text for this afternoon's worship service comes from Lord's Day 47. You can find Lord's Day 47 on page 561 of your Book of Praise. Lord's Day 47, question and answer 122. We read, what is the first petition? Hallowed be your name. That is, grant us first of all that we may rightly know you and sanctify, glorify, and praise you in all your works in which you shine forth your almighty power, wisdom, goodness, righteousness, mercy, and truth. Grant us also that we may so direct our whole life, our thoughts, words, and actions, that your name is not blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. The sermon I am about to read this afternoon comes from the hand of Reverend Stephen Tahart, minister of the Free Reformed Church of Baldwes, Western Australia. After the sermon, we will sing standing, hymn 17, stanzas three. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Human beings tend to be selfish creatures. By our fallen nature, an underlying question that affects our motives and our choices is... What is in it for me? What is in it for myself, for my family, for my church, for my community, for my country? Even as Christians, it feels natural to be quite self-focused. I like to dwell on my personal relationship with Christ. I go to church asking how I am going to be blessed because I went. I like the church service to be such, a, to be such that I enjoy it. As I worship, I want all my needs to be met. I think and pray how the Lord has blessed me, how he has forgiven me, how he cares for me. I want the sermons to be full of personal application so that it speaks to me. In truth, when we think about our relationship with God, we often begin and sometimes also end with the question, what is in it for me? That is not to say that considering ourselves, our lives, and our feelings in worship is all wrong. It was, we, if it was, we could not hold on to such a personal confession as the Heidelberg Catechism. What is, only in your comfort, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong to Jesus Christ. And consider all those questions of how do certain doctrines benefit you. In the Bible, many of the Psalms are also very personal describing the relationship between the individual and the Lord. But why do we worship God? What is the most primary, the underlying reason for us coming to church this afternoon to hear his word explained? Is it to have an easier life? Is it to get something out of it to help us on our way? Is it to help us get to heaven? May we all be blessed for coming to church this afternoon. May we all be comforted and encouraged in our Christian life. May it help us on our journey to live with God forever. But we are, all, we are looking for something greater, for something deeper. And that is a sense of the wonder of the glory of God. Grant us, first of all, that we may rightly know thee, and sanctify, glorify, and praise thee in all thy works. Answer 122 of the Catechism tells us. That is an echo of Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and your wondrous works. Psalm 145, verses one and five. God, your name is great. God, your name is glorious. Since our primary purpose is to glorify God in all that we think, say, and do, we need the ability to do that. But as we learned in answer 115 of the Catechism, we cannot glorify God unless we pray to God for the grace of the Holy Spirit. We need to ask God to give us the ability to glorify his name, or to put it another way, to hallow his name. The word hallow conveys the meaning of to make holy, or to set apart apart for holy use, to respect greatly, to venerate. In the Lord's Prayer, it is a translation of a Greek word that means to sanctify or to make holy. But of course, we cannot make God's name holy because it is holy already. So what what this petition, hallowed be thy name, basically means is that we are asking God to help us to really know him. Not just superficially, inadequately, or improperly, but rightly and sincerely. And when we really know him, his holy name will be respected and venerated. It will be worshipped and glorified. As the Gatechism teaches us, when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we are praying a request, a petition that we might get a sense of the wonder of the glory of God's name. We pray that through what God says and does, we might get a better understanding of God's glory. And so in response, we will praise and honor his name in all our thoughts, words, and works. This afternoon, I wish to preach to you the word of the Lord as given to us in the first petition under the following themes and points. May we live to hallow God's name. In the first place, we will see, may his name be hallowed in us, and in the second place, may his name be hallowed through us. We are indeed a selfish lot overall. Trained to look out for number one, encouraged by society, the society we live in, to think about my goals, my happiness, my pleasure, my dreams. Encouraged to be little gods and goddesses in our own little kingdoms where there is no higher being than ourselves. The Western world was not always like that. At the time of the Reformation, there was a clear confession that we live under God for his glory. But since that time, there has been an erosion of a God-centered life in which we hallow his name. This really started at the time what is known as the Enlightenment, which took place in the late 1600s and 1700s. At that time, there was a major shift from taking God's word as a basis of our life to starting with human reasoning and rational explanation. It was an attempt to unlock the secrets of the world without acknowledging God, his works, or his word. The focus was taken away from God and directed at man for his rational reasoning. It was a refusal to acknowledge God's almighty power, his wisdom, goodness, righteousness, mercy, and truth as displayed in in his work. By by the way, the Bible does not call this an enlightenment, but a darkening of the mind. After the so-called enlightenment came, what is known as the modern age, from about 1750 to 1900. In this time, it was stressed that man could become perfect through education and science. It was the time of world history that gave us Charles Darwin. What the Bible taught us about sin and the limitation of man was ignored, and it was thought that we would just keep on improving and becoming perfect individuals. Once again, God's glory and the hallowing of his name was denied. Instead, man glorified himself by discovering his own explanations to the world and putting himself in place of God. The First World War was a wake-up call to the idea that man would keep on improving, but what replaced the modern age was not a returning to God's world or God's word and praising of his works, but an emphasis on self, on personal rights, and private morals. The Western world has become even more self-centered and lives for the fleeting pleasures of life. The world's values revolve around gathering wealth, shopping, beauty, sports and leisure. There is the idea that we ourselves have become the cause and the source of all good things. And we as Christians live in that kind of world. We Christians have the values and the philosophies of the world indoctrinated and underlined pretty well every single day. And one of the dangers for us is that we end up having a split worldview where we separate science from religion, religion and politics, daily life from church, where God is put into a box to to be taken out and glorified only on certain situations. Psalm 145, however, teaches us something different. This psalm teaches us how to glorify God in all of life. It is what is called an acrostic psalm. In the original Hebrew language, each verse begins with another letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It is then the A to Z of glorifying God. In this psalm, David praised the Lord for what he has done. He praises God for for his mighty acts and wondrous works, his goodness, righteousness, compassion mercy his kingdom and also the way the lord preserves his children indeed all creation and all of god's work in our lives point to him and call us to praise his name hallowed be thy name that is grant us first of all that we may rightly know thee and sanctify glorify and praise thee in all thy works The first thing we pray in the lord's prayer is that we have a right understanding of who god is and how he wants his name to be hallowed but in order to do this we need to have the right understanding of who we are that is we that we are not little gods and goddesses that the world does not revolve around us that we are not living so that we can get the most out of life ourselves but that we are called to reflect the glory of another And this was well understood, not just by the writers of the Catechism, but by all the leaders of the Great Reformation. The Reformation taught that we must all have a God-centered faith and life, that in the first place glorified and so hallowed his name. Sole Deo Gloria, they said, to God be the glory. One of the great texts of the Bible that the reformers used to speak of how God must receive the glory is Romans 11, verse 36. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be the glory forever. All things are of him, through him, and to him. John Calvin explains this verse in part as follows. Paul shows that we are far from being able to boast in any good of our own against God since we ourselves have been created by him from nothing and now our very being depends upon him he concludes that this is that it is right that our being should be directed to his glory how absurd it would be that our that the creatures whom he had formed and sustains should have any other purpose than to show forth his glory all things are of him that means there is nothing here that that did not come from God, so he deserves the glory for it all. Psalm 145, verse 10. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. All things are through him. That is, God did not just create things, but he upholds them as well. Psalm 145, verse 16. You open your hands and satisfy the desires of every living thing. And all things are to him. That is, they exist for God to display His greatness and His glory. Psalm one forty-five, eleven and twelve: Your works shall speak of Your glory, the glory of Your kingdom, and talk of Your power, to make known to the sons of men His His mighty acts and the glorious majesty of His kingdom. Romans eleven verse thirty-six is a wonderful expression of the praise, declaring that God is the A to Z the Alpha and the Omega of all things. And for that reason, he must receive the glory. But in its context, Romans 11 verse 36 points more to God's greatest work, to our salvation. It is through his grace and by his power that God saved us to be his children. The greatest place of all, where we see displayed the mighty almighty power, wisdom, goodness, righteousness, mercy and truth of God is in his work of redemption, in the sending of his son to save his people for himself. When he was on earth, our Lord Jesus confessed in John 12, verse 27 and 28, My soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven, saying, I have... Both glorified it and will glorify it again. God's name was glorified and in the coming of Christ. Through the life of Christ and the miracles that he did, the earth witnessed the glorious majesty of God. But it is in the death and resurrection of Christ where the justice and mercy of God come together and call us to explain. Glory to God in the highest. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And this is also how we need to reflect on our personal salvation, on our only comfort, on how various doctrines benefit us. For when we see what God has done in us, how he has taken away our guilt, how he has breathed life into our dead bones, how he has made us a new creation, then all we can do is stand in awe of our Creator, Redeemer and Recreator, and exclaim, To God be the glory, great things he has done. And that brings us to our second point. May his name be hallowed through us. In this sermon, I have made a very close link between hallowing God's name and glorifying him. This is not a new idea. In his Genevan catechism, John Calvin explained the petition, hallowed be thy name, as follows. The name of God is his renown, with which he is celebrated among men. We pray that that his glory may be exalted above all and in all things. Calvin teaches us here that all our living must be to the glory of God. Notice how the Heidelberg Catechism says something similar in the second part. Grant us also that we may so direct our whole life, our thoughts, words, and actions, that thy name is not blaspheme because of us always honored and praised to glorify god to hallow his name is to honor and praise him in all we think say and do and not only that but the way in which we live must call others also to hallow his name one way we think about is is as follows if god is the sun then we are called to be like the planets orbiting the sun and reflecting the sun's light. The reason why God created us in his image is in order that we may reflect him, glorify him. That's what what we live for. And when we pray to him at the beginning of every day and say, hallowed be thy name, we are asking God, will you give me the privilege of reflecting your glory today? And then at the end of the day, we ask him, Have you, O God, seen yourself in what I said, in what I thought, in what I did today? Did I care for others in the way that you would would have? Did I fulfill my destiny today as your image bearer? Did you see yourself in my attitudes and actions? Did you see yourself in my attitudes and actions? The way of the world is to be self-centered, to be proud, to assert my rights, and to ensure that my voice is heard. The way of the world is to declare that I am God, and, and to become absorbed in myself. But as Christians, we don't want people to see us, but God in us. So that God receive the, receives the honor and the praise. How is this going for you? What sort of name does your family have on your street? What sort of name does your business have in the way it deals with, with its employees, suppliers, and clients? How do people observe you as an individual? How is it going in this church? Do we live together and act in such a way that we encourage one another towards love and good works? Is there any way that collectively we can change so that we remove stumbling blocks and call each other to hallow God's name? And what is it like in our families? How we speak and act in our families must reflect the glory of God. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare his mighty acts. Psalm 145, verse 4. Sadly, we do not reflect the holiness of God as we should. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Even as Christians, we are often self-centered and think more of having our own name honored and praised than God's. The church and what it referred to as organized organized religion has left a bad taste in the mouths of many. The media will pounce on anything that smacks hypocrisy in the church and gives full press coverage to the matters of such as infidelity in the church, the poor handling of sexual abuse cases, the inappropriate way that some churches seek to pull money and members of their money from their members of their congregation or the public or from the government. Amongst the people of Canada, respect for the church is spiraling downward at a fast rate, with the loss of respect for both God and his people. Christians are labeled as hypocrites, as bigots, as antisocial. And in families, the sins of the fathers and mothers can cloud a child's understanding of the glory of God, and in some cases, lead to that child to have a skewed view of who God is. Sadly, what the, what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 2, verse 24, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, is true. Yes, we can point to those in the world who live in darkness and so, and so oppose anything to do with the light. Yes, we can get up, upset at the biased and anti-Christian media. Yes, we can point at the weaknesses in our brothers and sisters and our children. But when we consider ourselves, the truth of the matter is that we do not reflect God's glory as we should, that we do not so direct our whole life in order that God's name might be honoured and praised by all those around us. And for that, we need to repent. We need to humble ourselves before God, and we need to go back to God's word and understand anew the glory of God's name. We need to absorb the wonder of his name, and then we too will cry what Isaiah cried, "Woe to me, for I am a man of unclean lips, but when the glory of God's hallowed name brings out just far f- how far we have fallen from the glory of God, we need- do not need to despair we do not we do have somewhere to turn more correctly we have someone to turn to the only The only man who truly reflected the glory of God and hallowed his name was the eternal Son of God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He displayed the glory of God in its fullness, but he came so that we too could, could begin to reflect the glory of the Father. Romans 11 verse 26 quotes from the Old Testament saying, The Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob in Christ we can begin every day anew, and in Christ, we, we can begin again to reflect the glory of God and the hallowing of his name. But no matter how much we try, no matter how much we strive, no matter how much we work at it, our hallowing of God's name is but a small beginning. We look forward to the great day of the Lord, when the, our Lord Jesus Christ shall return and make all things new. And then we, too, will bow down before the throne of God, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For, for you created all things, and by your will they, will they exist and were created. Revelations 4, verse 11. And then our selfish selfishness, self-centeredness, will be done away with. Then we will glorify God, just as we were created to do. Hallowing, sanctifying, glorifying honoring, and praising his great and holy name. Come, Lord Jesus, that the King of glory might receive the honor due to his name. Amen.